If you're wanting to ask us a question, we have a form in the show notes where you can click below and ask us a question either anonymously or include your name and we will shout you out on the podcast and answer your question as best as possible. Today, I want to give a special shout out to our listeners in Cordell, Georgia, Reedsville, North Carolina, which isn't too far from where I live, and Union, Missouri. Thank you so much for listening. Welcome to the Plant-Centered and Thriving Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Kitchens. I'm a plant-based registered dietitian and virtual nutrition mentor. I was raised on an Angus cattle farm, grew up with a lot of GI issues, and used the power of plant-based eating to promote healing. Here you'll find inspiration, ideas, and encouragement for your own plant-based journey. I'm so thrilled you're here today. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, plant-centered listener. I am so thankful you are here today. I have a special guest with me today. So if you are a walker, a runner, if you bike, if you are in the gym, if you do any sort of movement, and I mean, literally, if you're just like out walking your dogs, this podcast is for you. I found this conversation with Sun Sachs, who is the co-founder of Rewire Fitness, absolutely fascinating when it comes to your mental fitness. It has a lot of application to you and what you're doing. We talk about sleep, we talk about nutrition, and we talk about breath work, so many things. I'm not going to give them all away because it was a pretty cool conversation. So Sun is a 20-year veteran in software development and a lifelong endurance athlete for the past 35 years over 35 years in competitive cycling, triathlons, and adventure races. Sun is passionate about animal welfare, the environment, and human health, and he co-founded the plant-based media brand, www.thebeat.com, which may sound familiar to you, which ended up later merging with Forks Over Knives, the leading plant-based health resource. Sun is also a plant-based culinary chef graduate and former instructor from Matthew Kenny Cuisine. Sun continues to advise for the beat and promotes a healthy plant-based athletic lifestyle with his wife, two kids, and seven animal rescues, four cats, and three dogs. Sun gives us insight into his own plant-based backstory, and he also talks about what mental fitness actually is and why it's important and how the traditional way of building mental resilience, you know, it's like, I don't really feel like going to the gym. We'll just do it, get it done, you know, push through it, all those things, how that system is flawed. So there's a lot of great nuggets of information for you to take away from this for people of all different athletic capabilities. So I'm very excited for you to listen to this episode. Please join me in welcoming Sun to the show. Well, Sun, welcome to the show. I'm very excited to speak with you today. Yeah, so great to uh, be chatting with you, Ashley, and uh, looking forward to digging into uh, uh, the conversation and see where things go. Yes. So let's start with your own vegan backstory. I'm curious how you came, how that came about for you. Yeah, I have uh, several sequels to the story, so it's a pretty interesting one. Hopefully, folks can learn from it, relate to it, understand that uh, taking a perfectionist approach isn't always the best way. My original experience with plant-based eating or veganism started when I was 16 um, and really was became aware of animal agriculture and all of the negative impacts of the environment. So it's very much an ethical choice 
at the time I was working my way up to be an elite cyclist, uh, bike racer. I went all in. Next day I was vegan and uh, kind of how my mindset typically operates. There wasn't really a notion like um, dating myself, but there wasn't really a notion in the late 80s that plant-based eating was necessarily healthy. <laughs> so <Yep. laughs> that wasn't even in my sort of criteria. <laughs> it's like, I'm doing this uh, regardless of if it's healthy or not. Obviously, I don't want to be unhealthy, but so I went all in and um, went pretty well for about four or five years. The problem is, as I started to increase my training, I basically got to a point where I was um, working out 40 to 50 hours per week. Um, wow. Yeah that type of regiment, you know, you're burning an incredible amount of calories. So I was burning uh, probably between eight and 10,000 calories a day. Meanwhile, I was probably eating about 2,500. So you can imagine what happened. Yes. <laughs> uh, I actually got down to between zero and 2% body fat. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was pretty scary. I remember going into the doctor and they're like, there's something wrong with the machine. It keeps saying zero. <laughs> wow. uh, obviously, like it's probably unlikely that it was zero, but that machine had an accuracy of a range of 2%. So I was incredibly um, malnourished uh, and it wasn't, yeah. it, it wasn't a factor as I realized later about plant-based eating, it was simply not enough calories. And, uh, and obviously in general, plant-based foods don't always have the the same amount of calories as you know if you're just eating like lots of meats and dairy. So um, I ended up getting very sick. Uh, I was uh, 50 pounds lighter than I am today, and wow. uh, was brutal. I was sick all the time. Um, lots of lots of health impacts. But basically, I got to the point where I thought I was really going to compromise my life, uh, and uh, mm. I basically gave up plant based eating. Yeah. Uh, which was heartbreaking because I was doing it for ethical reasons. Um, then fast forward, I kind of went to the other extreme, ate a bunch of meat and dairy uh, for a good decade and um, found myself overweight and unhealthy. <laughs> um, so this is around uh, 2010 and uh, really kind of came to understand the healthy benefits of plant-based eating and knew I needed a change. So I started off with the like an incremental, just one meal a day. Uh, I started feeling better and better. Second meal. Uh, and by the time I got to the third meal, um, it was maybe seven months later, I felt so good. I was like, of course, I'm going to go all in. Yeah. And from there, I never looked back. You know, it's about a 11, 12 years now and uh, been uh, vegan, plant-based ever since and feel incredibly healthy, probably the healthiest I've ever been. Uh, and uh, yeah plan on keep going. Yes. Yes. I think that's wonderful. I have a lot of questions, but I'll try to keep them short because I definitely want to get into <laughs> the rest of this, the yeah. podcast, but obviously for people who are listening, they can't see your bicycle in the background, which I'm, I'm assuming is yours. So was that a big part of your training way back when, when you were doing you know 50 hours of training a week? Yeah, it was pretty much solely on the bike. So okay. uh, yeah, um, I was competing in a lot of different off-road uh, originally, it was road racing, then in um, uh, mountain bike racing. Okay. Uh, several different disciplines. You know, I did yeah. actually get to the point where I got to an elite level. Unfortunately, that sort of combination of um, really overtraining and having what uh, what now people call a fixed mindset was really not a good recipe for 
longevity in my career. So I ended mm-hmm. up retiring early at 26 uh, okay. and uh, went into product and software engineering after that. So wonderful, which we're going to talk about, which I'm excited for. Do you feel like, so kind of going back to your story, when you were working out a lot on the bike, a lot, do you feel like you were overtraining to compensate maybe for under eating, just maybe kind of understanding how the two go hand in hand, or was that just, is that a normal part of training maybe for the elite level? Yeah. I mean, there is certainly, I mean, with, uh, with cycling where your strength to weight ratio is very important. There is, there are a lot of, um, uh, like, uh, eating disorders and things like that, men and women within cycling, uh, because you're basically trying to see how light you can get while also maintaining your strength. Now I wasn't necessarily doing that. Um, I was really just focused on more is better. And if Mm -hmm. I just keep training, I'm going to get stronger and it may be difficult, but you know, I had a lot of willpower, so I'm just going to keep going, (laughs) keep keep grinding, (laughs) you know, and eventually that catches up with you, you know, yeah. it, it, it has diminishing returns and pretty soon it start you start to break down and, and, and then you're in trouble. It's hard to get out of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And do you feel like you learned a good amount, like that break that you took between being vegan and going back to eating meat and dairy and then kind of going back again to being vegan? Was there a period of time where you're like, you felt like, okay, I have more confidence going to this or I understand it much better, more differently than maybe when I was younger. So, you know, again, I kind of have this sort of all in mindset. So what I did once I started going plant-based a few years in, I uh, took professional culinary training with Matthew Kenny. Um, I ended up doing really well in the program and was offered a job uh, teaching sports nutrition. So uh, this is under uh, Brendan Brazer's kind of program. So taught that for a while, learned, you know, basically learned all the, the fine and basic culinary techniques, uh, learned a lot about nutrition. Eventually that led into the the founding of a website called The Beat. It's a very accessible website for plant-based eating. So in the process, absolutely, I learned a lot more about uh, healthy eating and also about just taking an approach that's a little more sustainable, you know, Mm. which (laughs) the all or nothing, the perfectionist sort of mindset, uh, can actually be very damaging. Like it's a strength and a weakness in my opinion. So yeah. you, you very, very much have to sort of keep that in balance. Mm-hmm. The very fine line to walk. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, I know son, you're very passionate also about not just like nutrition and physical fitness, but also mental fitness. And so I'm curious if you could kind of explain to myself and the listener what exactly is mental fitness and why is it so important, especially when you're an athlete? So from an athlete's perspective, you know, we think about um, training the body and pushing the body to the point where there's an adaptation and then giving it time to recover. So training and recovery is super important. The same thing is actually important for the mind. So we often overlook that part. Uh, we think that there's going to be a sort of a positive side effect of just pushing ourselves physically really hard, but we're not thinking about cognitive recovery or cognitive resilience in the way that we sort of like mental weights for your mind. So um, what our solution is, is very like mental fitness is, is from our perspective is a holistic approach where you think about building more mental resilience, but also creating a space and creating tools for cognitive recovery, uh, emotional recovery, 
all of the aspects that ultimately impact your performance. You know, when we talk to an athlete at any level, professional, junior, amateur, whatever it is, we'll ask them what percentage of their performance is mental. And they'll always say above 50%. But then when we ask them, okay, if it really is that important, how much time do you train on it? There's often like this awkward silence or they're literally say zero. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Um, and it, you know, it kind of makes sense because there's not really a structured way to train your mind or at least one that's self-evident. So that's the part uh, that we're trying to sort of fill that gap for. Yeah. I know you think about all the time and energy we put into training our physical bodies, our you know, physical self. And you're right. I was thinking, yeah, you know, mental health or mental fitness is really important. But I, you know, in, even in my own reflection, I'm like the amount of time I spend on it is probably pretty small in comparison to the amount of time I'm spending at the gym. And I'm sure that's a, the true for a lot of the athletes that you work with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Um, and that cognitive fatigue can build up over time. You know, this the the constant stress that we're under in our modern society. And that has consequences. You know, Mm -hmm. if you start to get more irritable, more frustrated, more emotional, oftentimes that's the reason. Yeah. Your brain is just really tired. When does it ever get a rest? When does it ever get support? Right. (laughs) Yeah. True. Yes. Especially in the day and age we live in. And there's just constant communication all around us. And it's, it's hard to kind of tune out some of that noise and focus on our own mental fitness. So when you're working with athletes, what are some ways that you maybe just some easy attainable steps to help them prioritize their mental fitness. Because we all know, especially at the level of athletes that you're working with, the physical fitness is a high priority. So how do you kind of bump up the mental fitness priority as well? The first thing is really to establish an awareness of where they're at each day. So what we have is readiness in general is is really this uh, idea which you'll see with different wearables like uh, Whoop or Aura uh, or Garmin. What it's doing is basically looking at your physical state, your sleep, your training, your heart rate, and it's trying to give you guidance on how ready you are to achieve your goals that day or to continue training or rest. What we do is we take that information as part of a morning practice. So you wake up in the morning half hour within waking up, you open up the app. If you do track that kind of stuff, we'll bring it all in. And then we give you a cognitive assessment and an emotional assessment. And then based on that, we reflect back where you're at. So like I said, you may not always know where you're at physically, you know, cognitively or emotionally. And uh, we'll show you, hey, compared to what you normally are at, you're at a high level of stress. You're at a high level of cognitive uh, fatigue. So that's the first part is just um, having them understand where they're at. And then the second part is providing a solution for it. So we're very sensitive to the the time crunched person, whether it be a professional or amateur or just somebody who has a lot of goals and a lot of things they're doing in their life, a lot of responsibilities. So what our interventions do is they give you like a two to four minute intervention that'll help you make the best of your day despite that situation. Despite the poor lack of sleep or, you know, whatever the problem is. Yeah. Yeah. So they're able to, you kind of give them a a very, it sounds like very achievable task for them to do in a short period of time, especially for someone who maybe is really busy and can't afford to spend two hours on their mental fitness, like maybe they do in their physical fitness to help them again, increase their physical fitness. Cause I'm guessing it goes hand in hand, the mental fitness and the physical fitness. 
the two are very related. So what the, what the science has shown is like when you're under a greater amount of cognitive fatigue, your perception of effort feels much harder. And then mm-hmm. that limits your physical performance. So a little experiment, like a little thought experiment, if we all think about this, uh, if you've ever had a day where you work really hard or you have a lot of stress and you're supposed to work out in the evening, one, it's going to be very hard to motivate to get out there, uh, go to the gym, go for the run, whatever it is. But two, it'll actually feel more difficult. And that's because your brain is under cognitive strain and it's actually misperceiving or amplifying the physical effort. Because of course, the two are interrelated. It does take you know cognitive focus to go through a workout. And if your brain is fatigued, it's going to basically send signals that your, your body is having a harder time and thus you're not going to achieve your goal or it's just going to feel very difficult. Hmm. I feel like the tra- like the traditional sense would be like, well, go to the gym anyway, you know, push hard, push through it. Why is that maybe not so helpful in building mental resilience or why is that maybe the traditional way that we approached it a bit flawed in your opinion or from what you've seen yeah. based on your expertise? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously I've had firsthand experience with it and then also from from working with many different athletes and scientists like basically this idea that you build mental resilience as a side effect of physical training is very flawed because one, what we call the minimum effective dose varies over time. So let's just say you're uh, you're training four days a week and you're going for runs and you're going to the gym. You're going to have to keep pushing yourself harder and harder to get to that very acute state where you're going to get some kind of resilience out of it. And in the meantime, you're going to keep adding more cognitive load which is going to keep reducing your ability to perform. And so it becomes a vicious cycle where you're literally just digging a hole and not allowing your, your brain to recover. Like most people these days don't say, well, I'm just going to run every single day, regardless of how I feel. And I'll just get stronger. Like that's not, that's been demystified these days. Uh, And the same thing is with your brain. Like if you just keep pushing yourself over and over and over again, um, you know, pretty soon you're actually going to break down. You're going to have low energy. It's going to be hard to motivate uh, and your physical performance is going to go down. So there's a better way. There's a more targeted way to really just focus on that mental resilience the same way you would with um, physical training. Okay. What are some of those ways? If you don't mind sharing like some better ways to maybe f- shift that focus to this old style of thinking, where we just kind of push through, keep going, do it every day, no matter how you feel. <laughs> to just being more mindful yeah. of where you yeah. are mentally. Yeah, that's right. So there's two different um, interventions in our system at a high level. One is around the cognitive recovery and then sort of the sports psychology. And the other part is around the pure kind of resilience training. So on the recovery side, let's say you wake up in the morning and you have a poor night's sleep. And as a result, you're a little more emotional um, you're, you're a little more frustrated, uh, and your brain is just simply tired. Um, so what do you do? Well, uh, in our system, we'll basically create what we call a recipe, which will be a combination of different evidence-based approaches. So in one experience that lasts two to four minutes, you'll go through a specific breathing modality, like you might do box breathing or four, seven, eight breathing, which is going to get your body into a homeostasis, get it into a recovery state. We then pipe in um, what we call binaural beats, which are basically a 
a device for getting your brain into a calm or recovery state just by listening to the music. Hmm. Uh, we'll bring in things like self-talk and visualization. So you have mantras that you repeat that are cues or triggers to being in the right mindset. And while you're looking at the screen, we're also priming you subliminally with positive imagery. So you come out of the experience feeling refreshed mind and body. And that's a much better place to start. Even if you have a goal that day, like you're coming, you're coming to the gym or out for the run, or even for some important meetings or whatever your responsibilities are with a calm, ready mindset, which is mm -hmm. really the best place to be for performance as opposed to stress, distracted, full of anxiety. Like that's not going to help you. Yeah. Um, so that's a really important part of what we do. Um, and we find people will come to the app multiple times uh, for, you know, to help them with pre-workout, you know, get into a prime state for a workout, um, help with stress, uh, help with a good night's sleep. There's a lot of different tools within the system for that kind of stuff. So that's the first piece. I mean, you mentioned different things that you can utilize to really tap into refining that mental fitness. And one of them, you, you know, you included breath work, which I feel like we're learning more and more about of how powerful our breath can be in our mental and emotional mindset, I guess would be the right word. And I think that's really helpful. And not just that, but like you said, the music, even the images, I think so many times when we're like, oh, I need a mental break from something, maybe we just pick up our phone and scroll through social media. But I feel like very few people walk away from that being like, oh, I feel so much better. I'm more relaxed. <laughs> I'm in a calm state. It's usually the opposite. So mm -hmm. I, I just find that yeah. very refreshing to hear that it's very targeted targeted tools to really help improve your mental fitness. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, um, it's really important. It, just spending, like, a, like I said, two to four minutes can make a big difference. Like we see the average person coming out of one of those sessions, having a 70% reduction in stress, you know, wow. which is a massive change. Yeah. Just yes. giving yourself that, like, even if you don't use the app, try look up box breathing, look up four, seven, eight breathing, look up pranayama breathing. You do that for five minutes, you're going to feel materially, materially better. Wow. Um, now, of course, when we layer on more protocols, it amplifies the effects. But just doing that, just giving yourself a little bit of time each day, uh, you hit the reset button, you know? Yep. Yeah. Does anyone ever say, oh, it's just two to four minutes? How, how impactful can it be? Yeah. Yeah. Um, sometimes, I mean, this is what the data shows. There was actually a study that came out um, in uh, the publication Cell this month, uh, well, in January. Yeah. They basically took these same breathing protocols and they had the, um, the subjects do it for five minutes uh, and they compared that with meditation. And they actually found that the breathing modality had a greater impact in stress reduction and on-the-spot improvement in their mental state than meditation. Wow. So it's, it's an incredibly powerful tool and it yeah. doesn't take a lot of time. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think that's refreshing too. I think there's two ways to look at it. It's like, it's only two to four minutes like this, and it can improve my mental fitness by 70% or something like that. Like that's huge versus looking at, oh, well, it's only two to four minutes. How much could it really impact me? But it sounds like it's yeah. definitely the, the the first part. Like it can have a massive impact on even just how you perform physically. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we have sessions that help you um, get into a physically primed state. You know, there's breathing styles that will get you into, you know, what is known as a, a sympathetic state, which is basically, it's generally known as fight or flight, but it also helps you with performance. So like, if you're, um, like, let's say you have a presentation, your body's actually shifting into a, a sympathetic state because it knows you're going to need a little boost of energy, you're going to need to be ready for something that's going to be difficult. So you can with a breathe, breathing alone, you can literally shift your body from one state to another. Um, so it's, it's shockingly powerful and yeah. something that uh, uh, these little sort of these little improvements you can do that are very accessible. You start to do them every day and man, you feel, you know, transformed. You can just get into a habit of just giving yourself a little bit of time to hit the reset button, get your body into a calm state, man, it helps. Yeah. It sounds similar to when someone goes plant-based and they just want to tell everyone like, just try it. You'll feel so much better. And I feel like that's the same with this. Like, just give it a try. It's only a few minutes of your day and just see what can happen if you do it time and time again. And it sounds like it'll add up to some pretty big, big changes. Yeah, exactly. It's those, yeah. those little steps that, uh, the the compounding effects are very significant. We don't, yes. as humans, we're not so great actually generally about seeing the compounding effects of things. So uh, it's always good to be reminded of that. And uh, you know, if you feel better each time, it's sort of self motivating and self perpetuating. Yeah. Know? Yep. Absolutely. So you mentioned that was sort of like the first layer. Was there like another step to this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. the The other step is really the neurotraining. So the idea is again, similar, like, like mental weights, if you will. Um, so what our system does is it uses a specific type of cognitive task that's been shown in many studies uh, to basically build an adaptation uh, to more mental resilience. So what it's called is an impulse control test. And basically um, you're answering these little questions, uh, 10 to 15 minutes in a, in a session, so not a terrible amount of time, but what it does is it basically overloads your brain and then creates this adaptation. And it's actually targeted toward this specific impulse control for the, the fellow nerds out there. It's the part of your prefrontal cortex known as the anterior cingulate cortex. And it's responsible for will-driven behavior as well as your perception of effort. So if you just imagine like if you could improve those two things, your willpower and how you perceive difficulty, you know, and, and you could improve those things. It really does translate to more grit, more perseverance uh, for not just athletic performance, but really anything you need to overcome in terms mm -hmm. of mind-body challenges. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you have the, the first layer and this is the second layer of kind of going through the series of questions. And then is there anything from there that you typically recommend or have them do? making sure they're doing enough cognitive recovery and enough uh, neurotraining, sort of balancing those two things is, is very important. Um, again, it kind of starts with this morning practice where we reflect back where you're at and then recommend one or the other. But within that, there's a lot of variations. So for the neurotraining piece, uh, we're actually just rolling out this new hardware uh, component, which will allow you to do the brain training questions while you're going for a walk while you're going for a oh. run, have like a mind body workout, which is yeah. a pretty amazing experience, you know, cause you're actually 
you you feel like you're working both parts of yourself uh, and it can be very satisfying but also it helps with the monotony of of training you know sometimes mm. it can be pretty boring especially yeah. in the winter months uh for those those here in yes. the cold weather regions so having something like that um is a pretty cool f- feature just for fun but generally speaking it's a way to do those two things at the same time mind mind and body training yeah yeah I know, son, too, you're also really passionate about burnout because you have obviously you shared your own experience with that. Mm-hmm. I was curious mm-hmm. if you could touch on um, maybe just some tools. And I know that you've mentioned several already just with the app, but some tools that you recommend to help athletes prevent burnout, because I know that can happen pretty quickly, especially when you're training really hard, like I know some of your athletes did and like you yourself did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's true. I mean, the when we look at burnout and what factors are contributing to burnout, um, the, the biggest ones, number one of all of them, all of the factors is having a perfectionist mindset. Mm. <laughs> so oftentimes a perfectionist mindset is also what, what we call a fixed mindset. So it believes uh, it's a mentality where uh, you're having to sort of revalidate or reprove your worth based on your performance outcomes. So in other words, like I better get a PR in my run every week or I'm not good. If I, if I suddenly had a bad day, um, that's actually a terrible thing. You know, failure is not an option Hmm. Um, versus a growth mindset where you're embracing failure as a learning opportunity and you're not judging yourself based on every single, you know, physical performance you do or whatever other goal you have. So just trying to shift into more of a growth-centered mindset is massive for preventing burnout and just a more a healthy way. Uh, I always say that I'm a recovering perfectionist. So yes. it's, uh, it's in my nature to have that mindset. So I, I always work on it. Um, you know, the other thing is having sort of a one-dimensional perception of yourself. So if you think like, I'm an athlete, I'm a vegan, uh, and anything comes in the way of disrupting that, you, you know, you, you, again, you have like a poor performance, maybe you get injured, something happens where you can't represent that one dimension of yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, it can be very crushing. Um, yeah. and it also can lead to things like overtraining because of course your whole self-worth is built around this image you've created for yourself. So really important to have other things in your life that you support and, uh, um, and, and grow as well as whatever your main sort of goal is, or what do you feel like is your purpose? Like it's really important to have a little bit of balance there. Mm, Yeah. So a lot of it is sort of on the psychological state. Um, and if you're training, I mean, I think the, of course the balancing your mind body recovery is super important. Mm -hmm. Um, more is not more like eventually your body will break down. So, you know, we, we often forget, but you actually get stronger when you're resting. You don't get stronger during training. (laughs) You only get stronger. Like when you're having a good night's sleep, that's when your body is resting and recovering and, and building more muscle or more capability. So like, um, treating that of equal importance, if not more, like if Mm -hmm. I, like on a daily basis, if I, um, if I have a choice, get a longer night's sleep 
or compromise my sleep because I got to get up to train. I'll take the longer night's sleep every time. Wow. Yeah. It's just long-term. It's a much, much better outcome. I think that's the key too, is long-term. It's a much better outcome because so often we're so focused on just the next day. We don't realize that that could potentially be detrimental to our training or just not that really productive, or it might make us feel worse coming away from that period of training as well. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah. that starts to snowball and and now you're way worse mm-hmm. off than if you just took that right. day off. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. There's a really, there's a, a, a former CrossFit athlete, I guess, games athlete. His name is Matt Frazier. And he, I remember him saying this was many years ago that he tried to get 10 hours of sleep a night just because it helped his performance so much. It helped his recovery so much. I remember hearing that going, wow, you know, you, you just never think that when you're sleeping, that is also a big part of your recovery and a big part of your performance. They go hand in hand. Big time. And having a good, uh, not just the number of hours, but the quality of sleep, obviously, like Yes. If you're on your screen um, until late at night, if you have a lot of stress, if if your bedtime varies a lot, um, all these things are going to negatively impact the quality of your sleep, which is so important. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) So important, especially as you get older, that the quality of your sleep generally, um, you sleep shorter and your deep sleep and your REM sleep also reduces. So you really want to make sure that you're Mm -hmm. doing everything you can to maximize, you know, the the benefits of the sleep you're trying to get. So, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of maximizing performance, I didn't know if there was anything else that you wanted to touch on in regards to, you know, what we can do as athletes to maximize our training, to maximize our longevity, our performance, a longevity really in the sport um, that we're a part of, if there's anything else that you wanted to add to that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, I have a few principles that are worth probably sharing. <laughs> Let's hear them. Um, but hey, we haven't talked too much about nutrition, but number one in my list is eat and drink foods that support your immune system. Mm-hmm. The thing, the most profound thing I've ever heard someone say around health and nutrition is um, your body's default state is health. Mm-hmm. So it's always trying to return to health, always. Um, it'd be like if your car always tried to fix itself, <laughs> Yes. but what happens if let's say you're, you know, you, you're allergic to dairy products, but you're drinking milk every day. Well, you're actually bringing down your immune system every single day. And again, that compounding effect on your immune system is significant. It doesn't seem like much, but you're creating inflammation every single day, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you're not feeling healthy, uh, looking at your nutrition and seeing what are the things that could possibly be, you know, bringing it down. A lot of times we'll know, like we're just, we have a bad eating habit or whatever it is. But so I'm always looking at anti-inflammatory foods. I'm looking at all kinds of foods that are going to boost my immune system with antioxidants, you know, um, high, high fiber foods, all kinds of things. Uh, so um, that's a, that's super important. And, and I found for myself, like other than getting COVID once I'm never sick Yeah, <laughs> and I'm uh, knock on wood, of course, but, um, uh, having that strong immune system, a lot of everything else will sort of like your overall health will take care of itself. If you can, if you can really think that way. Yep. Yeah, um, absolutely. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. 
the other one is having some kind of mindfulness or practice. Um, mm. Now it could be breath work. It could be meditation. I think gratitude is also important. Yeah. Like, you know, um, there's, there's something uh, powerful about just uh, uh, looking at the big picture. Um, that's, so that's important. I would also mm-hmm. say like um, just daily exercise, walking. I walk every day uh, with our dogs, which is a, yep. is a great habit. Um, and it's incredibly helpful for your peace of mind, for your body. It's such low impact. You could, um, you know, you can walk in addition to training or doing other things that you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would say, uh, you know, having positive relationships, that's super important. Yeah. Yep. Right. Absolutely. We're social animals. I mean, mm-hmm. that's, if you look at a lot of the societal unrest and a lot of the challenges, it's from this kind of individualism sort of approach and feeling separate and not feeling supported and feeling frustrated and feeling alone. Like, yeah. You build, you continue to foster those long-term relationships. It's a big deal. Yeah. And then my last one is just continuous improvement on all of the above. <laughs> so <laughs> nice. just keep trying to improve. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yep. Which, I mean, yeah. if we, like you said, if you kind of zoom out and look at your life, like these are things that over time, that compounding effect that you talked about, just, if you can just kind of inch the needle forward every single day when it comes to maybe building community or you know, creating great habits around the way that you're eating that can have a great lasting positive impact on your life over time. Yeah. It's, it's pretty profound. Like um, it all adds up and pretty soon you have this, you know, massive base of health, great support network. You feel physically capable of doing just about anything. Like, you know, you're, you're not building up and ignoring all the stress. You're actually dealing with it every day. Like all those things, Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So son, I am curious and you touched on it a little bit in the beginning, but how you went from being an athlete, working under Matthew McKinney, and then, you know, going down this, basically this journey of creating this mental fitness platform. How did that maybe just briefly, how did that start for you? And then how can we learn about this mental fitness platform and how it could potentially fit into our own lives? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Yeah. The, the origin story. Um, so I'm still, I would still consider myself an athlete. I still train every day and, uh, uh, more focused on just sort of the love of what I do and enjoying, enjoying the process. Um, don't compete too much anymore, but, um, uh, basically I was on the, um, I was on the bike trainer one day and, uh, I had this epiphany about the science that I had, heard about for years that never came to market. And it was very frustrating because well, the second I heard it, it was the kind of resilience training. Second I heard it, I knew it was a big deal. But in the lab, what they basically did is they took a, a keyboard and taped it to a, a treadmill. And so the, the subjects would sort of like answer brain training questions while running on a treadmill. Hmm. Not really the way that it would work in the real world, but of course, great for the, for the clinical findings. Um, so my epiphany was like, Hey, this could all, we could take all of these scientific methods that are just stuck in the lab, like subliminal priming and, um, you know, binarial beats and this, this sort of insight into the cognitive state of athletes and how it can help and bring it all together in something that's as easy as opening up an app and pushing a button. 
And um, so that was uh, 2018. So we're pretty far along now in the process, but um, we basically, uh, once I had the idea, we built a prototype in like two weeks, got um, had some more co-founders join and the rest is history, so to speak. But um, yeah, (laughs) it just came from like just an initial insight. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that, it sounds like it came together. I mean, the two week period, especially that that's quick. Yeah. And that the only reason is because I had built a career in product and software development. So it's sort of like without even realizing I was building the skills to solve the problem. And then one day I I recognized that and actually knew what the problem was. And it was, we spent a lot of time building it um, beyond that point, a lot of time testing and validating it. But um, that initial idea was pretty easy to sort of put together and and confirm. Yeah. 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 Wow. So if our listeners are curious to access it or learn more about the app and what you do, where is the best place for them to do that or to go uh, looking for information? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they can go to rewirefitness.app, uh, .app, uh, and, uh, or look for us in the app stores. Uh, we do have a free program like permanently free. So if you want to jump in and do some of the mindset work and some of the neuro training, um, check it out. And uh, we also have a podcast, same thing, Rewire Fitness, and we're on all socials. So I uh, look forward to hearing from you guys. Wonderful. And we'll include as many links as possible in the show notes. So it's very easy for you to just go click below and check out Sun and everything that he's doing with Rewire Fitness. Is there anything else, Sun, before I close up shop that you wanted to make sure that we touched on? Uh, no, I would just say for our listeners, just... Um, Never underestimate the act of just starting little positive, healthy habits. Mm, yeah. Try out some breath work. Of course, uh, keep going down the uh, the plant based path. That's going to open up a lot of doors and uh, create a lot of uh, health and wellness. Yes, yeah, and then add that that mental component to it, and you'll be unstoppable. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, son, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your area of expertise with me and the listener. Really appreciate everything that you had to share today. Truly a pleasure. Thanks, Ashley. so much for listening to the plant-centered and thriving podcast today. If you found this episode inspiring, please share it with a friend or post it on social media and tag me so I can personally say thank you. Until next time, keep thriving.